many of us ever know what it is to become the perfect version of ourselves? This is Decoding Superhuman with your host, Boomer Anderson. Today is an epic day. Superhumans, every day is an epic day. Thank you so much for joining me. And I don't want to waste any of your precious podcast time today because our guest works in the field of high performance. In fact, he's a high performer himself. Dr. Matthew Curso is a world-renowned high performance doctor. At the age of six, he was an expert at reading lips due to a 75% hearing loss. And at the age of eight, he almost flunked out of school due to his quote-unquote disability. I actually didn't know that was possible. He was called to be a doctor of cause while listening to his uncle speak when he was younger. Dr. Curso is one of America's top concierge wellness advisors for some of the country's most prolific healthpreneurs, CEOs, and executives. Dr. Curso hosts the podcast Superhuman Entrepreneur, an Inc. Magazine top 10 podcast, as well as teaches doctors around the world the most cutting-edge strategies to optimize high performance and magnify impact. Dr. Curso leads high-performance strategy retreats around the world in places that I love, like Sri Lanka, Maui, and Japan. In case you were wondering, this podcast was just so much fun for me. There's a lot of back and forth, and I got to pick Dr. Curso's brains on what the top CEOs and executives have in common. We went down the wormhole, so to speak, on daily routines. We talked about morning routines. We talked about evening routines. We talked about Dr. Curso's favorite peak performance books, supplements, and a number of other different things. We got into why it's so important for you to get outside first thing in the morning and the value of exercise. I really hope you enjoy this podcast. The show notes for this one, which will take me forever to type out, but I hope you enjoy, are at decodingsuperhuman.com backslash accurso. That's A-C-C-U-R-S-O. Enjoy the episode. Dr. Curso, welcome to the show. Boomer, man, it's an honor to be on with you, my man. Uh, you're one of uh, my mentors and people that I look up to, so I'm really happy that you're here today. Just share a lot of, lot of knowledge with, with my audience. Man, I appreciate that, man. You know, and, and I want to say right back at you, you know, I, that's an honor to be a mentor, but I want to tell you as well that you inspire me with the things that you're doing in the world. Thank you for, for this is just a loving message, right? Uh, but I, I just want to get started and just introduce you to everybody because, you know, I know you quite well, but maybe the audience is a little less familiar unless they're listening to, of course, your podcast. But uh, I, I just got a question for you. How did you actually become a doctor? How did you get into this whole health world? You know, it's a crazy story and I get to tell it, you know, often and I love it. I love telling them my story I, uh, because it's, I look at it way more than a career. Uh, it's a calling, you know, and that calling started when I was very young, when I was eight years old. I remember uh, my mom, who is this Sicilian, feisty Sicilian woman, she had it in her head that we were going to start attending these things called Saturday Night Live and not to be confused with the Saturday Night Live on TV. This is a doctor's seminar and my uncle started it and essentially what he did he, he started it because he wanted to empower doctors he not only wanted to empower doctors he wanted them to understand their calling and their purpose on this earth which was not just to start a, a practice and hang a shingle but to actually care for patients like they were his family and so doctors from around the world started flying in it was something that he didn't expect to happen or maybe he did but it didn't seem like he did and i remember being eight years old and sitting in that audience 
and hearing him speak and a couple of other speakers speak and walking up to the stage and just being in awe of who they were as men. I didn't even realize what they did. I didn't even know that they were doctors. All I knew was that there was something in them that I'd never seen in a man before. Uh, you know, I'm from a divorced home and my dad was Air Force. He was never really good at showing his emotions. And I never saw passion from him. I always just kind of saw like he would just go through the motions. He was very organized. He was very structured. He showed me a lot of things in life that I still use to this day, but I never saw that thing within him that came out to want to, you know, serve and love humanity. And I saw this come out in these doctors and I couldn't turn away from it. And so I remember on the way home with my mom, I said, I know what I want to be when I grow up. <laughs> and she was shocked because she was thinking, okay, a policeman, you know, an actor, like something that a kid would normally say. And it was that, no, I want to be a doctor of cause. I want to be someone who not only practices in the realm of, you know, what true healing is, but I also want to have an impact on my patients. You know, I don't even call them my patients anymore. I call them my health participants because my goal is to empower someone to be the best possible version of themselves that they can be. And what the reason I'm coming out of that place is because someone empowered me at a point in my life. It wasn't because, you know, I sat in a waiting room and saw a practitioner go through the motions. It's because I saw the love that was coming from those individuals. That's awesome. And so your your practice right now is called Elevase. Do you mind talking a little bit about Elevase and just sort of the types of people that you guys are working with? Yeah. So, you know, we're, we're called Elevase Health and our goal, really, there's a lot of different vehicles that we that we get our message out through. You know, I get my message out through Superhuman Entrepreneur, which is a company that, you know, focuses on entrepreneurs. Elevase is very similar to that. Elevase, which is E-L-E-V-A-Y-S, focuses on high performers. You know, so a little bit of background on that. I've never been called to treat disease, you know, or, or, or address disease, I should say. I've always been drawn to helping someone prevent things from happening in their life. And what we found within our research is that inflammation is always the underlying cause. It's always the thing that's driving other things to happen. Um, I put it this way, you know, if, if, if you got hurt, especially within the U.S., I know you're in Amsterdam, but if you got hurt in the U.S., let's just say you lost a hand in a car accident and you went to the hospital, they'd get that hand on for you in no time. We have the best emergency medical care system in the world. But if you were to want to go in and get healthy or get well, they wouldn't know what to do with you. Because we don't get people well in the current medical system. It's meant for disease dysfunction and to address uh, emergencies. At Elevase, we decided, you know, we want to help the high performer. We want to help the executive, the entrepreneur. And then when I say high performer, sometimes people think, well, that's like, that's an athlete or that's someone that's kind of like on the upper echelons of performance. That could be a single mom with three kids. And let me just tell you something. Single moms with three kids have it a lot harder than athletes and CEOs. It's a lot of high performance, right? right? <laughs> Absolutely. So a high performer doesn't mean you're on a field, doesn't mean you're even in an office. It can mean you're just living your daily life and you want to prevent disease. You want to prevent dysfunction. You want to have optimal energy. You want to have increased productivity. You want to be there for your kids. You want to have high leverage activities that you're doing, which means that not necessarily shortcuts, but things that you can do for your body to optimize your physiology and your neurology so that you can live at your highest level. So that at the end of your life, 
you're not having to pick between a nursing home and a cruise ship. You know that you're absolutely going to be on that cruise ship living your best life. Royal Caribbean all around the world. There's so, <laughs> ma- there's so many things there that I just want to, you know, that resonate very well with me. Just everything from inflammation, all, all of these different topics that you that you mentioned. But one of them I want to unpack is high performers. And I'm just wondering, you know, if there's any commonalities that you noticed among these high performers that you you get to work with every day. Yeah, there's depth. There's a lot of commonalities. I would say I'm a really big brain guy. I'm a big psychology guy. So I come from a place of psychology first, because I think a lot of times we try to implement really cool ways of, of, uh, of, of, you know, nutrition hacks or exercise um, when it all needs to come from here first, this is where healing starts first in the brain. And something that my family always says is above, down, inside out. It's got to go from above, down, inside out. That's how healing happens. So I would say the first thing is, is a high performer is always seeking clarity. Um, and I'll use a high performer that a lot of people know, Oprah. I love her story. Um, she's got an amazing story. If anybody out there ever wants to research, like someone who's come from nothing to something, but she, when she goes into a boardroom, her first thing is, is what's the priority? So what are we seeking after in this meeting? And that gives you clarity around where you want to go. And we can ask that in any aspect of our life. We can say, where am I heading by doing this action today? What is this going to reap in my life? Not only in the next couple moments, but what about the next 90 days? And a lot of high performers also operate within the 90-day system. Um, they use that system because it's very, it's very easy to implement goals and not forget what you did. And also, things can change a lot in a year. You know, some people have year-long goals. Um, I do the 90-day goals. A lot of high performers do 90-day goals. And that helps you also get clarity around what your mission is and what your purpose is. Another one that's huge is they challenge others to grow. So if you and I think about our teachers or a caregiver in our life, someone who's inspired us, they inspired us to grow. And so one of the common things that a high performer will do is they'll, they'll say, what do you think about this? Or think about it this way. So when they go to construct an idea or implement something in their team or in their life, they're constantly asking that question. They're not coming into the situation trying to bulldoze everybody and get it their way. They're coming in asking the right questions. But the goal behind the question is always to challenge others to grow. And if you look at our mentors throughout our life, that's why they stick out to us because they challenged us to grow. They maybe presented another idea or another thought that we never addressed before. And so it kind of flips us on our side and says, wow, I never thought about it this way, that way. And then the last thing is, is they keep the main thing, the main thing, you know, focusing on one thing. I don't know if you've ever read the one thing by, uh, Gary uh, Keller. Gary Keller. Yeah. It's a great book. Great book. Right. The beauty of that book is that, you know, the, it's on the front cover, you know, implementing ideas and, and focusing on that one thing and keeping the main thing, the main thing. So everything else that I do titrates down to that one thing, you know, how, how are my actions going to get me back? to that one thing. And, you know, for me, that one thing is my calling. You know, that's why if, you know, somebody presents to me a talk that I can do or a stage that I can be on, or even when it comes to health participants into my schedule, I say, is, is this taking me down that road of my calling or is it pulling me away from my calling? And if it's pulling you away, then that's a no. Um, and if it's taking you towards it, then that's a big yes. And, uh, and that's another side of it too, is that we have to be willing to say no And a lot of times we think that the yeses are going to get us to our goals and our dreams, but it's actually more of the no's 
that are going to allow us to hone in on that one thing. The one thing, just going on that, that book, everything, you can judge that book a little bit by its cover, but everything in that book is very, very good for people to read. And then just on the, you know, saying no, I think Steve Jobs always said it, right? Yeah, he did. The best thing you can do is is say no. Absolutely. Uh, one, thing, one thing I wanted to go deep with you on, Dr. Curso, is I, I know Brendan Bouchard kind of coined the term high performance habits, mm-hmm. but a lot of these guys that you're working with, I imagine that they have some pretty pretty epic daily routines. Do you mind just touching a little bit on the value of these routines and sort of some of the things that you recommend to people? Yeah, no, that, they're, that's everything. You know, I'll say a lot in our culture nowadays, you know, morning routine is everything, right? And I would say that's a great, easy implementer in our lives because we can, you know, again, focus on a certain time in our day. But I think having routines for everything in our life is so important, not only to maintain high performance, but to also stay consistent with results. So one of the things that it all, it comes back to a lot, and I'll address this as well, is the morning routine, because that's a really popular thing to talk about nowadays. A lot of people want to know what's my morning routine or what, what is someone else's morning routine. And that's really important. I will say for a lot of high performers, it starts early. So it, you know, it can start at roughly 5.50, you know, 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning. And a lot of them, at least I know the ones that come through my schedule, you know, they're getting outside right in the morning. And the reason that it's important to get outside is there's a lot of benefit to it. Um, a lot of people may, out there maybe have heard of grounding before. The earth has magnetic fields inside of it. And those magnetic fields flow throughout our soils and they come up through the earth and they regulate atmospheric pressure and all the other amazing things, but they also help regulate our bodies. One of the ways that we know that is if you've ever gone camping before, you know that when you're out in the dark and like it's, or or the sun's going down, your body immediately starts to get tired, you know, and, and and if you've gone on long hikes before, then, you know, you're, you're, you're expending your energy and at the end of the day, you're, you're done. But even if you're not hiking, even if you're just kind of spending time in the outdoors, you're going to find that your body gets tired a lot earlier than you normally would inside your house. And there's numerous reasons for that. But one of them is, you know, the Earth's magnetic fields actually start to regulate our bodies. And the more, we, the more time we spend outside, the more time you'll see your body will begin to become regulated towards the sunlight and towards the seasons and things like that. Um, I find that when I'm out surfing a lot, my circadian rhythm actually becomes a lot more balanced. Um, the times that I'm going to sleep becomes a lot more balanced. So I would say first thing in the morning, I always imitate the Greeks and I get outside and I do my breathing. Breathing is also very important. Super oxygenates the blood. It allows us to oxygenate the brain. And then it focuses us. It focuses us on, again, the one things, the breathing, and it, and it kind of pushes everything outside of itself. And that also allows us to become more in tune with our bodies. So real quick, real quick, Dr. Curso on the breathing, because there's, we're here in the Netherlands. There's also, you know, a lot of breathing gurus other than Wim Hof around the world. What kind of breathing do you do? So I have a, I have a technique where we put the, the tongue on the roof of our mouth. So your tip of your tongue's on the roof of your mouth and you're breathing in that way. And actually by putting your tongue on the roof of your mouth, you actually open up your airway even more. So you actually broaden the back area of the mouth. And a lot of people think, oh, if you put your tongue there, you're going to block it. You actually open it up. So by doing that, you open up the airway even more. You allow oxygen in. Um, I also do a type where a type of breathing, like kind of like dragon breathing, 
where you're breathing in and out as fast as you can for 30 seconds and then letting the body be calm for 30 seconds and then breathing in and out for 30 seconds. I do that 10 times. A lot of high performers do that as well. Uh, and then also not to forget that allowing your body just to be and to breathe normally and not to force oxygen in and out is also really powerful as well. Uh, sitting outside, not sitting in a chair, but actually sitting on the ground, um, you'll see that your diaphragm will actually act differently because you're not in this hunched over, you're not compressing L3 and L4 in the spine anymore. You're actually opening it up, which actually allows the thoracic spine to open up, which then allows your lungs to open up. So a lot of the problem that comes with breathing is that way too often we're sitting and we're sitting six hours to eight hours a day, and that is compressing the thoracic spine, which is compressing the nerves going to the lungs. So I said, when you sit Indian style or you sit on the floor, like watch a child. A child is an amazing nose breather. Like children, they actually will breathe through the nose hours on end, whereas with us, we, we find that when we become stressed, we become very shallow breathers, and we're not actually taking deep breaths, and a lot of times we're not actually just using our nose, we're using our mouth and our nose. So I always say too, a powerful way to, to breathe is also, I take a spoonful of coconut oil, I'll put some peppermint oil on the coconut oil, I'll stick it in my mouth. And so this is a way that I do a couple things. So a high leverage activity, meaning doing many things at one time, I'm oil pulling, um, I'm waking my taste buds up with the peppermint and my sinuses with the peppermint, and then I'm just breathing through my nose. And what I'll do is I'll go on a brisk walk, and that actually will elevate um, your state of breathing. So it'll allow you to breathe a little bit more deeply in through your nose and out through your nose. And this practice actually uh, regulates cortisol, which is excellent for relieving stress too. Uh, that, that's a great one. I'm going to definitely give that a shot actually, probably tomorrow morning. I cut you off though. And you're, you're starting on the outside. You talked about breathing, other aspects that you see in morning routines or other routines that you want to get into. Yeah. I would just say, you know, starting off with a solid movement program. It doesn't have to be a gym. It can be just getting outside and doing things outside, whether it's you know running around a track or doing some high knees in your front yard, but getting your heart rate up, potentially sweating. And I always say it doesn't have to be a long movement pattern. It can be 15, 20 minutes. And there are different names, you know, Tabata training or burst training, but something where you're getting your body moving is moving is so important. Uh, and then getting high nutrient dense foods into your diet right away. You know, some people are into intermittent fasting. Uh, I'm definitely a fan of it right now. I, I ebb and flow. I don't always do intermittent fasting. Like right now I'm doing breakfast in my, in the morning. So my breakfast consists of a really simple shake. I always incorporate a protein, a fat and a green into my shake. So that'll consist of having a handful of spinach or bok choy or kale um, some coconut milk in there and some cinnamon to regulate hormones, some chia seeds, maybe some hemp seeds in there, and then some type of protein. If you're a vegan, using a vegan protein or a grass-fed whey protein is always good as well. And I always have that an hour, roughly an hour after my workout. And the reason that I do is because your body is going to be in a very significant state of fat burning. So if you drink that protein shake, which a lot of times we hear, drink the protein shake right after the workout to allow the muscle to have protein, access to protein, but it's actually uh, better if you actually wait a little bit because your body actually will start to regulate itself and will start to feed off of those stored fat uh, a lot better than if it actually has food right away. And if you think about our 
hunter-gatherer ancestors, they didn't have food right away. They didn't have ready available food. So, you know, after running 20 or 30 miles or, or, or trekking 20 or 30 miles, they might have to wait to eat. They might have to clean the animal up and then, you know, stick it on the fire. And that could be two hours or two and a half hours. Um, so I think that's a really great way to, to burn fat, build muscle, and then optimize brain function too. It's also a really great way to let your body know, hey, you're strong. You don't need readily available foods all the time because we're in this culture where we just kind of have everything's readily available. I think it's really good to actually allow the body to say, hey, like, let's just kind of turn off all the processes right now and relax and rest into the movement we just did. And then we'll partake in some really high density, nutrient rich foods. You know, you're building resilience, right? Exactly. It's a great thing. Okay. So morning routines. What about evening routines? Because evening routines is one that I think we as a society tend to focus on a little bit less, but for me is just increasingly important. Yeah. Evening routine is also very important, obviously, because your body is heading into a state of recovery and recovery from the research that I'm reading now is way more important than the movement pattern because the recovery pattern actually allows your organs to rest. It allows your brain to rest. Uh, it allows your organs, some of your organs actually heal during certain times of the night. So for instance, from 1.30 to 3, your liver and your kidneys are actually in a healing process. That's why it's so important to, to get into REM sleep or recovery sleep because if you want not only to be well rested, but you want your organs you know, on all cylinders, then that's a really great way to do that. A really good evening routine for me and for a lot of the high performers that I see and from what I've seen in the world today always starts with uh, when, you're, when you plan your meal. You know, so a lot, a lot of times we get home, you know, it takes a little while to eat dinner. We get to, we get to dinner maybe around 8.39. For those entrepreneurial bachelors, sometimes we're eating at, you know, 10, 10.30 at night. That's not good. We want to eat earlier in your evening. So get that first meal at around, you know, 7 Seven o'clock is ideal, seven, seven thirty. And then you're allowing your meal to digest and you want to do something that begins your your body to or starts starts to begin your body into that relaxed mode. And so that's where habits come in. Because you like it, kind of think of a child. When a child knows there's gonna be a routine, their body automatically kind of starts to go into that rest mode. So for instance, my daughters always know that there's gonna be a story at the end of the night. I tell a story and that gets their body into the routine. And then there's a song and then there's a prayer and then there's maybe a glass of water. And then, you know, we turn on the sound machine, the white noise. There's a, there's a routine to the system and, and this helps the body drop into REM sleep. Whatever it is, you just want to develop habits of what you're doing. I really like essential oils. It allows you to uh, initiate response in the brain through olfactory senses in the front of the brain, which is really good for REM sleep. So lavender is a really good oil that you can spread on the back of your ear, around your neck. Frankincense is another great oil that you can, you can uh, put around your, your, uh, your lymph nodes, um, and that's really good for detoxification of the body. Also, Epsom salt is a really, really powerful detoxifier. Apple cider vinegar, in, uh, or like two ounces of apple cider vinegar in, a, in warm water with uh, a cup of Epsom salt is really, really good if you want to prepare your body for rest. Magnesium is a very important nutrient for rest. A lot of people don't get the proper magnesium levels in their body, and then they wonder why they're not sleeping. Well, Epsom salt allows magnesium to flush into the bloodstream, 
also taking magnesium can also do that as well. I recommend roughly uh, three to 500 milligrams of magnesium. I don't recommend doing it seven days a week. A lot of people want to take it all the time. I recommend doing it for you know two weeks on, two weeks off type thing because your body will get used to the, the supplement and then it won't, it won't uh, use it as effectively. But I would say that's a really good one. Um, and then stopping the blue light you know, from entering into your, into your retina every single night. And I know we all have our favorite shows and it's okay. You don't have to not watch TV, but like, I know you have blue light block, black, blue light blocking glasses on right now. And that's awesome. And I don't, so you need to, well, <laughs> it's, a, it's, to a, well it's a lot later here than it is in your, yeah, place. yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> but, but, uh, but you know, I, I actually use my blue light blocking glasses when I have to look at a computer all day. For instance, I haven't had to be on the computer my whole morning basically. So you know, I'll start to use them if I find that I have more consults uh, over the PC. But um, that, that is essential because blue light is one spectrum of light. So if you think about it, the sun is giving us all different spectrums. It gives us blue light, the sun does, but it also gives us red light, yellow, orange, purple. Those types of light all in one actually regulate hormones. They actually help the thyroid and the adrenals to regulate properly. So getting sunlight in your retina is so important. When we get one mode of light, that actually can cause disruption of hormones. And a lot of times, if we're watching TV right before bed, we go to bed, and even if we're tired, we might hit the sack and go right to sleep. Your body, you're not in recovery mode. You're not, in re you're not in recovery state of rest. And so that's really, really important. I would say one of the most important things in our culture today. My, my notes right now, Dr. Curso, are absurdly long. But <laughs> <laughs> that's you, great. So... Other, other daily routines that you and the high performers that you work with uh, tend to have. So we talked about morning, we talked about evening. Anything else that you, you commonly see? So right now I'm, I'm, uh, I'm doing a lot of mobility work with um, the people that I work with. And that's something that I'm finding is absent, especially with a lot of high performers, because we want to stay in shape. You know, we want to we hit the CrossFit gym or we want to you know, do the Tabata training. And oftentimes we're not taking time to, to uh, meditate and stretch. And I would say that's, a, that's essential if you're going to allow your body to rest and recover. It's also essential for absorbing nutrients in the body. Um, when we put tension on the bone, like for instance, when you're weightlifting, that's why it's so important you know, for women to, to weightlift. And to all the women out there, you're not gonna get buff and you're not, I mean, you're not gonna get huge and, and bodybuilder-like. You're gonna get buff and you're gonna get toned. And that's the goal. Um, but when you put tension on the bone, you allow the bone to accept more nutrients into it. So you build stronger bones. Well, when you stretch, you're actually stretching the organs. And it's the same thing with a bone as it is with an organ. When you stretch an organ, you actually allow it to take in more nutrients. When you stretch the gut, you're actually opening your gut lining up to accept more nutrients. And so this is essential because you can, again, you can use a high leverage activity like stretching and meditating to allow your organs to stretch, um, allow them to begin to communicate with each other better, release hormones better, um, release leptin and ghrelin, which are great for hunger and, and satiety. And you can also um, promote health within your brain and your body. So I would say mobility, getting on the ground, getting a foam roller, getting a mobility ball, and really getting into your hamstrings and your quads. Using a, I use a, a device called Hyper Ice, it's a vibrating mobility roller, and it's awesome because you can save a lot of time because it vibrates at the same time. There's, there's actually a lot of research out about what vibration does for a muscle 
and what it actually does for tonality of a muscle. And so I'll use that vibrating roller um, all along my TFL and my quads and my hamstrings and my calves. Um, I'll roll um, my lower lumbar onto the, uh, the hyperice roll. Um, I'll do my cervicals. So I literally am basically doing my whole body. And I would say, you know, having that mobility, that time where I'm focused, you know, not on strength, strength training, but just allowing my muscles to rest, but also initiating a frequency through them is, uh, is really, really good for physiology, neurology, brain function, and just overall performance. This is great. The hyperice is something I haven't used before. I, I've used the whole body vi vibration plates, but those are, uh, yeah, those are, those great. are great. Too. Those are great as well. All right, Dr. Curso, I know you're, you're pretty uh, stretched for time, but I wanted to just hit you with three last questions that I ask everyone and then want to find out a, out a little bit more about how people can get in touch with you if they want. But the first question that I ask everyone, what's the number one tool or technology that you use to become more superhuman? You know, those, those will change. Um, you know, it might be different next month. <laughs> but right now, um, what it is I, is uh, checking your blood glucose. I think uh, I'm a heavy advocate of checking your blood glucose. And this allows me to stay on track with my diet. But we know that high amounts of blood glucose or high amounts of blood sugar lead to disease and dysfunction. And so if you can keep a check on your blood sugar, you can know if you're doing well within your diet for the most part. And so um, you can buy a blood, uh, something to check your blood glucose on Amazon. Uh, I'm not a... I'm not a sponsor or anything for a blood glucose machine, but uh, AccuCheck tends to be a really good uh, machine or a, a really good uh, finger prick. And then you actually just stick it in this device and it tells you where you are, what range you are. I think that's really, really powerful. One hack I'll throw in there. If you want to regulate blood glu glucose properly, do some strength training activities before you eat and it actually activate certain sugar transporters responsible for taking up carbs into the muscle. So now your body's using fat instead of sugar. And that's really, really important. So if you can plan your exercise routines around maybe a heavy meal, like for instance, Thanksgiving, or, or we have Easter coming up, when these things are happening, and maybe you know you're going to get into some trouble with some food, um, have some heavy workouts in the morning, and then go to your family reunion and have your crazy foods that you're going to have. I'm all about vacation foods. I'm all about enjoying food. But you know, try to do it smart because we know that if you live with that elevated blood glucose, it's uh, it's going to impact your body in in really big ways. So, just one follow-on question on that: What do you think about like yeah. continuous blood glucose measurement and these kind of tools, where you kind of have the device implemented in you versus oh, the... like in oh, like a monitor, like that's always on you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's awesome. I think that's really great. Like for a diabetic or something, I mean, they they need to consistently check things like that. I don't personally like something attached to me all the time just because I'm not uh, like, I'm, I'm kind of just weird about that stuff. Like <laughs> if especially if there's EMS like going on, like if you have to plug it into anything, you know, I don't want dirty electricity around me all the time. So I would say, you know, if you can keep as much technology as, as possible off of you, that's best. Now, if you're dealing with a battery pack and things then more power to you, but that stuff can get in the way. But I think, it, you know, if you can check your blood glucose, even twice a week is, is my normal. Even if you check it once a week, if you check it once every two weeks, because if you know you're eating similar foods and you know your diet's going to be pretty consistent, then you don't need to be a, a stickler for checking it all the time. But if you know you're going to be off and traveling, then I do recommend checking it to be like, so you can say, oh, wow, that food really raised it. I didn't realize that 
that did that. Um, like for instance, a lot of people think, well, dark chocolate, I'm just going to eat dark chocolate all the time and that'll be my treat. But sometimes the dark chocolate that you're eating, it has the, the cane sugar in it uh, or it has other, or maybe the sugar alcohol is raising your blood glucose more than you thought it would. So it's a really great way to monitor yourself. Next question. Uh, and I know blood glucose can certainly play into this one, but what's your top trick for enhancing cognition? So my top trick. So again, I'm always experimenting with stuff right now. You and me both. <laughs> right. Yeah, man. It's fun. You know, I would say there's a, there's a number of things that can enhance cognition and some of them are fun and some of them are just kind of boring supplements, but I'll, I'll give you a fun one. So a really fun one that's really easy is having social interaction while incorporating some type of stimulus, whether it be a, a brain game or even, you know, like, I mean, we grew up with them. Like when you, if you've ever played dodgeball mm -hmm. or if you've ever done hopscotch or anything like that, those build cognition in the brain and they help the brain to grow um, because there's play and there's thought involved. So anytime you can have play and thought involved, that's always a really, really good thing. People who do, you know, puzzles um, or, you know, some people will uh, incorporate like different visual effects during their day, um, whether it be like uh, um, light therapy and things like that, that can actually build cognition. One of the supplements that I'm really into right now is called Hooperzine. Uh, and Hooperzine is an acetylcholinesterase inhibitor, uh, which means you get more of the neurotransmitter acetylcholine rushing around in your brain. So you call, we call these types of compounds cholinomimetics, cholinomimetics. And it's just awesome. Like it does a really amazing job with increasing cognitive function. I, I've seen a lot of differences with kids um, on low levels of it and a lot of results with high performers. You know, if you're going into a stressful situation or if you think that you're not going to really perform under pressure, then, you know, Hooperzine can be really helpful. And how often do you take something like that? Because I imagine some these are similar to nootropics, right? And you'd probably have yes. to cycle them. Correct. Yeah, you do. I always recommend with anything that's that's uh, affecting brain function that you know two weeks on, two weeks off is a really good measurement for it. Uh, and then I also always recommend cycling supplements. So you know if you're on it for a month and a half, two months, I recommend getting off of it and starting another supplement regimen and then going back to it maybe two months later and doing that over and over. Final question. What's your favorite book on peak performance? Favorite book on peak performance. Well, so there's a couple. So right now I'll, I'll show, I'm show you what I'm reading right now. It's called resilient. Okay. And this is an awesome book. Now this might be something that someone wouldn't think I would recommend because it's not necessarily on actively taking a supplement or, or movement or something like that. This is more on the mind, but it's, it's how to grow an unshakable core of calm, strength, and happiness. And again, I think it all starts in the brain. Another one that I would recommend, so that I'm going to throw you a curveball here, Boomer. I'm not going to give you a book. I'm going to give you a movie, then I'm going to give you a book. Okay? <laughs> so a really cool movie that I recommend everybody watch, and this is actually something that I make um, my staff watch, uh, and then a couple of my, my uh, entrepreneur friends, they've also... They also have this movie as a gateway to their business. So if you want to actually work in the business, you have to watch this movie. It's called Euro Dreams of Sushi. 
Have you ever seen that? Oh, the documentary. Yeah. Yeah, the documentary. Yeah. I, I love it. Awesome. And the thing I love about it the most. Are you going to tell, are you going to say the rice? Because the rice is. <laughs> the rice. Yeah. The rice. Exactly. But go ahead. All the gluten. I love all the gluten. <laughs> no, I, I love the doing something over and over again because I feel like it's so easy for our brains to go on to the next one, on to the next one. And doing something over and over again, there's something to be said about simplicity and the power behind doing that. I would say, be a master at your craft. You know, I would even go so far as to say, don't move on until you are 100% seeped in the artistry and the talent of your God-given gift. If I was gonna give you a book, I would say Falling or uh, Failing Forward by John Maxwell is a great book that has spoken volumes into my life as well. Every guest that I've asked this of has kind of taken it their own direction. And I, our mutual friend, Dan Stickler, threw out a book about uh, Ishmael, which was you know talking to a gorilla and lessons learned talking to a gorilla. So it's always interesting to see how people take this. Uh, yeah. I haven't watched Jiro Dreams of Sushi in a very long time, but one of the things that I took away from that was uh, the amount of time he makes his apprentices just focus on the white rice and cooking the white rice just right, yeah. which is great. Exactly. Dr. Curso, where can people find out more about you if they want to learn more? A couple of places. They can go to, uh, I have an Instagram page, which is going to be taking off soon. We haven't put a lot of work into it, but it's MJ Accurso on Instagram. You can also go to superhumanentrepreneur.com if you want to listen to our podcast and learn more about uh, biohacking your body and, and optimizing your health. And then uh, elevase.com is our practice website. Um, if you want to find out more about consulting with myself or my team, you can go there and it's E-L-E-V-A-Y-S dot com. Awesome. And we'll link to all of these in the show notes, which will be at decodingsuperhuman.com backslash accurso. That's A-C-C-U-R-S-O. Dr. Accurso, I mentioned it before, but I have to say it again. My notes are full right now and there's so much for me to digest. <laughs> Typing out these show notes is going to be a lot of fun, but as always, it's it's super awesome to talk to you. So thank you for taking the time. Boomer, man. It's my pleasure. And you know, guys like you, are the ones that are truly paving the path for others to come along and uh, live out their God-given gifts. So thanks for showing the world your gifts. Thank you. And to all the superhumans listening, have a great day. Wow. Dr. Curso is an absolute legend. Did you enjoy that episode? If you have any feedback or if you just enjoyed it, you can drop a note over at podcast at decodingsuperhuman.com. If you can also go over to iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you listen to this podcast and leave a five-star review, maybe a few comments so that people can hear what's going on at Decoding Superhuman with this podcast, it would be really, really appreciated. Again, the show notes are at decodingsuperhuman.com backslash accurso. I look forward to hearing from you and have such an epic day. Take care.